your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them please to Psalm 43? We'd like to look at verse 5. As David speaks of pain, as David speaks of suffering, as David speaks of hurt, and as you know, pain and suffering and hurt have many names. Tonight we're going to be talking about grief, which is one of them. What was David going through in Psalm 43, 5? We don't know. But he did know where to go. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? My hope is in God. Notice that. I love that. My hope is in God. There's always hope. My hope is in God. For shall yet I praise Him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Our subject tonight in the last message in the series on how to heal from hurts, how to have hope in life's hurts, is hope when a loved one dies. Hope when a loved one dies. Most of us here tonight have experienced the death of a loved one. If you haven't, don't you be disappointed. Your time will come. And for some of us, it will be repeated many times before we ourselves will die. Grief is what we feel when we lose a loved one. And the more we love that loved one, the more the grief will be in our mind and in our heart. Someone was asked to describe grief. And they said it is like a blunt force trauma to our soul. It's like somebody takes a baseball bat and pounds our very soul with it. And it leaves us exhausted, it leaves us empty, and it leaves us broken. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian minds of the past, said the closest thing that we know of to compare grief to is an amputation. Grief is like losing a part of our body. Death takes someone from us. And grief is the acknowledgement that they're not coming back. The leg that was taken off my body is not coming back. Amputation. Grief is the loved one that has died. They're not coming back. And when death occurs, grief has a lot of questions it wants answers to, doesn't it? When we grieve, we all want to answer to the why questions. Why did my loved one have to die? Why did they have to die now? Why did they have to die in this way? Why did they have to die in that place? Why, why, why? Why must I go through this now? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why questions? 
And may I say the why questions are normal. They're natural. But you know something? They're not very beneficial or productive to ask. Because the only one who knows the answers is God. And God doesn't answer our questions for the most part. The Bible says for us to trust Him, not to understand Him. To follow Him, but don't necessarily understand where we're going. So if the why question is not productive, if it's not beneficial as we face the grief, the loss of a loved one, is there a question that is positive, that is productive, that it is beneficial for us to ask? If we're ever going to go on with healing and recovery and living again. And that question I suggest to you would be, what now? Not why, but what now? What now when I've lost a mother? What now when I've lost a father? What now when I've lost a child? What now when I've lost a grandparent? What now if I've lost a grandchild? What now if I've lost an aunt or an uncle or a niece or a nephew or a best friend? What now? What am I to do? And as I look out here at a people I dearly love, I have buried a lot of your loved ones. I've buried my loved ones. What now? How do we find hope? How do we find healing in the hurt of grief? I'd like to share with you some things tonight I hope will be helpful. First of all, we must stay close to God. When we lose somebody we love, the tendency is we want to isolate ourselves. We want to dig a hole, we want to jump in the hole, and we want to cover it up. We don't want to be around people sometimes. And sadly, sometimes we don't want to be around God. But we need to stay close to God, because as David said in Psalm 43, 5, He is our hope. The only way that we can deal with grief is through the Lord. There's no other way. Psychiatrists cannot help us. Pills cannot help us. Denying it can't help us. Anger and blame cannot help us. Only the Lord can. We have to stay close to the Lord. I like what Jeremiah said. He said, I will turn, speaking of the Lord, he said, the Lord will turn their mourning into joy. He will comfort them and make them rejoice in their sorrow. You see, the Lord is the only one who can heal grief. He's the only one. So we have to stay close to Him. You say, Pastor, how do you stay close to God? Well, you stay close to God, first of all, in prayer. Prayer is where we have a dialogue with Him. Remember, we have a relationship, not a religion. Relationships require one person speaking, the other listening, and then the other speaks and the other listens. You cannot have a relationship with a monologue or a noologue. <laughs> Say, Pastor, is that a word? I don't know what it is tonight. 
Relationships are based on dialogue. When we stay close to God, our relationship with Him when we pray. And those of you who have prayed when you've lost a loved one, I think you will attest and testify to the fact that the peace that passes all understanding seems to come to you. It's on our knees that we discover that peace. As we speak to God, He pours His peace out into our lives. We also stay close to God by reading His Word. We talk to Him in prayer. He speaks to us through the Bible. Do you know the Bible is a living book? It's not a book of the past. It's a book of the present. And God is alive today and He speaks through the Word of God. And it's amazing how the Word of God can speak to our situation and circumstance. As we speak to God in prayer, He speaks to us through His Word. And as we read the Word of God, we understand what blessed assurance is. We also stay close to God when we feel the presence and power of His Spirit at work. Be still and know that He is God. Be quiet and know that He's God. When you've prayed and when God has spoken through His Word, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will be there. And the Spirit of God will give you comfort. You see how all of this is working out? The closer I get to God, the more peace I'll have. The closer I get to God, the more assurance I have. The closer I get to God, the more comfort I'll have. And the more I'm around the people of God, the more love I'll have. I wish we had time tonight to have some of you stand and talk about how the love of God's people and God's church helped you through the grieving process. When we grieve, we need to stay close to God. We don't need to isolate ourselves from prayer. We don't need to isolate ourselves from the Bible. We don't need to isolate ourselves from His Spirit. And we certainly don't need to isolate ourselves from His church, His people. Let people love you, and you'll be glad they did. Secondly, what are we going to do in our grief? We're going to stay close to God. Secondly, we're going to hold on to the promise of a reunion. Christians never say goodbye. See you later. That's what we say. Because we are going to see our loved ones who have died in Christ again. Do you know that? One day the redeemed of all the ages are going to be called together to a great celebration in the sky. The celebration of celebrations is going to take place. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting. Oh, what dancing. Oh, what fellowship. It's the blood-bought church. and The saints of old come together. One day that's going to happen. We will see our loved ones again. And they will know us and we will know them. Somebody once asked me, Pastor, will we know people in heaven that we knew down here? 
I said, absolutely. Why would we be dumber in heaven than we are here? (laughs) We will have the mind of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 8, verse 11, he said to the people of his day, one day you are going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm sure the religious leaders who didn't have a clue about anything said, how in the world are we going to see them? What Jesus was talking about in the resurrection, in the celebration of celebrations, they will be there, as will all believers be. And we will know them, and they will know us. There's not going to be any introductions. Hello, sir, I'm Jim Palmer. How you doing? They'll already know me, and I'll know them. You remember when Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration? And he appeared in his deity to Peter, James, and John. And standing next to him in his deified, glorified state was two of the stars of the Old Testament. Moses was on one side and Elijah was on the other. And the disciples knew who they were. Now, how did they know what Moses looked like? They had never seen Moses. They didn't know Elijah, yet they recognized instinctively who they were as they stood next to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a picture of what it will be like for us in heaven. We will be with our loved ones, and we will know them, and they will know us. Instinctively, we will know. There's going to be a reunion. You're going to see your husband again. You're going to see your wife again. You're going to see your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your grandparents. If they died in Christ, they're alive right now. They're alive more than they've ever been. They've left the land of the dying. They're in the land of the living. And they're waiting on us. By death or by rapture, we're going to join them. Thirdly, keep in mind, don't worry. Don't worry. Some of us just tend to be worry warts. Don't worry. You know, somebody said worry is the cousin to fear. I believe they're both in the same family. Usually if you know one, you'll know the other. But it makes no sense to worry about the, the present or the future when you lose a loved one. Does worry change anything? Does it add anything? Does it subtract anything from what you're facing? No. Worry doesn't take away the sorrow of tomorrow, but it does take away our strength for today. Worry is holding on to someone who's not returning. Worry is clinging to something that shall no longer exist. Pastor, is worry a sin? I don't know if it's a sin or not. But I know this, it will suck the life out of you and make you a walking dead. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and worry sucks that life right out of us. Do you know the Bible 352 times talks about trusting God or placing our faith in Him? 352 times in the Word of God, it is emphasized to us, even ordered unto us, to trust God. 
You say, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do because I've lost my husband. God will take care of you. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've lost my wife. God will take care of you. Don't you worry about that. He's got you in his hand. You will make it. Don't worry. Fourthly, when we lose somebody we love, it's always helpful, I think, to talk out the grief. In times of suffering, whatever the suffering may be, in the case of what we're talking about tonight, it's grief. We find in the Bible that those who are going through the suffering articulate their suffering. They talk to God and they talk to others. When Jesus was on the cross paying for the sins of the world, he was suffering, no doubt about it. And as he was suffering, he was talking to who? The Father. He was having conversation with the Father as he suffered. He wasn't silent, he was talking. When Job was going through all of his pain, and none of us will ever experience what Job experienced, Job did not remain silent. Job was constantly talking. He talked to his friends. He talked to God. When Jeremiah was in pain, he talked to God. When David was in sorrow, when David was in suffering, he talked to God. Do you know the Psalms is, God's con is David's conversations with God? To be silent when we suffer is only to deepen our darkness, prolong our pain, multiply our misery. It's okay to cry, gentlemen. Amy Lambert, who I dearly love, she comes to this church every few years, sings a song, and I think the song says what I'm trying to say. Tears are a language that God understands. Perhaps you'll never be any closer to God than when you're crying. Tears are okay. Though some people might tell us to be stoic and not shed tears. It's okay to talk. Silence is not golden when you're suffering. Though some might tell us to button up and be quiet. The Lord would have us to cry. The Lord would have us to talk. The Lord would have us to let the steam of grief out lest we explode on the inside. Tears and talking are therapeutic when you're going through grief or any kind of suffering. The worst thing you can do when you're suffering is just to clam up and not say anything. You know what it is when you clam up and don't say anything? All you're doing is taking the toxic waste of your sorrow and burying it in the ground and covering it up. And one day it's going to come out again. You have to deal with it. There's a reason why people pay psychiatrists $200 an hour to lay on a couch and yak. 
And by the way, you hope that he's awake when you're talking. Because talking's therapeutic. Getting it out is therapeutic. Tears are therapeutic. Fifthly, as we work through grief, it's good to laugh. A merry heart is like good medicine. A merry heart is a medicine, it's a balm, it's a salve to a broken heart. Laughter is God's medicine for a sick spirit. People who study the human body tell us that laughter, medically speaking, physically speaking, laughter has a marvelous effect on our bodies. It releases endorphins. And these endorphins, they, they, they're a chemical that goes through our body that gives us a sense of peace and well-being. These, this chemical that comes from laughter lowers our blood pressure. It decreases our stress hormones. It, it relaxes our muscles. It lifts us up out of depression. Laughter's good. I know what you might be thinking, but pastor, if I'm laughing when I've lost a loved one, is that not being demeaning to them? No, 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 a thousand times no. What would your loved one want you to do if they could speak to you? Would they want you to look sad sack? Would they want you to look poochy lip? Would they want you to drop your head and shuffle your feet and say, woe is me, my life is over? No, they wouldn't do that. They would want you to, not to die with them, but to carry on your life. Remember them, but carry on your life. Laugh. Laugh. My dad died of cancer many years ago. We had the funeral home limousine come pick a family up. And the chauffeur was experiencing the craziness of the Palmer family. We were laughing in the back of the limousine on our way to our father's funeral. You say, was that disrespectful? No. Was that demeaning? No. Our dad was a Christian. He was in heaven. He no longer was suffering from cancer. And the joy of the Lord was in that limousine as we went to say goodbye. Or should I say, see you later, Dad. And we shall. I think Keith and his family had a similar experience when they buried his father and perhaps his mother. Maybe some of you can testify of it. God just gives a peace and a joy and a hope to his people. And the world can't understand it. I think that chauffeur thought he should take us to Bull Street. I mean, he'd never seen anything like that. Laughter. A couple of more and we'll wind it up. Sixthly, we need to get back to a routine when we're going through grieving. Get back to a routine. 
I realize that when a loved one dies and the care that often goes with that beforehand and all the details you have to tend to afterwards can be a little overwhelming. It knocks us out of a schedule. But I have found that people do better when they're on a schedule than just have nothing to do. When you put structure in somebody's life and you give them things to do, they will be much better than if they have no structure and nothing to do. That's not just true of children. It's true of people who have lost a loved one. And the quicker you can get back to walking and exercising, the quicker you can get back to, to eating meals at a regular time, the quicker you can get back to going to bed at a certain time, getting up at a certain time, the quicker you can get back to being with your family and friends again, going to church again, getting back involved in the ministries again, the quicker you can get back to work, the better it will be for you. There is a time that you have to you take care of other things. We all know that. But there must be a time when you decide now, I'm not going to allow my schedule to control me. I now will take control of my schedule. I'm going to get back to life. When Abraham's wife Sarah died, the Bible says he, he went over her and he wept. And then he got up. He wept and he got up. That's the Bible's way of saying there is a time to grieve. There is a time to be in sorrow. But there's a time when you must put the grief and sorrow behind you and get up and move on. The death of a loved one can be a terrible thing, but the death of a living one can even be worse. And I've seen people die when their loved one dies, and they just as well died with their loved one because they never recover. And then lastly, one thing else, and we're through. We're talking about not the why, but the what. What must I do to, to move on? What can, must I do to facilitate the healing and the hope that I'm looking for in the sorrow of grief? And lastly, I would suggest to you that we understand that grief is not forever. I like what David said in the 23rd Psalm. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Whether he's speaking of his own death where God will bring us through, or whether he's speaking of the death of a loved one and we journey through that grieving process, he says it's going through. We don't stop there. It's a process that's constant, continual, but it's a passing through of the valley of the shadow of death. One day, grief will end. One day, the pain will be less. One day, the, the healing will come. One day, the sorrow will disappear. The passing of time and the grace of God are wonderful healers. But you can't rush either. And the rate of it is different for all of us. Some people bounce back very quickly. Some people it takes weeks. Some people it takes months. I guess for a few it could take years. You can't compare your process of going through the valley of the shadow of death with anybody else's. Because everybody's different. But you will get through the grief. That's what I'm trying you to understand. Life will go on. 
It will be different, admittedly, but life will go on. If we had the time tonight, I would close this service by asking you who are sitting right now looking at me, we have lost a loved one. If you would come to the platform one by one. And would you tell us, was God faithful to you in it all? Did God bring healing to your grief and your sorrow? Is there life on the other side? And I believe that each and every one of you I asked to testify of that would say amen, amen, and amen. God brought me through the sadness. God brought me through the sorrow. God brought me through the shock. God brought me through the struggle. God brought me through the stress. His grace, time, and the love of other people brought me through. Once again, Psalm 43, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? And then he answers the question. I have hope in God. And for that reason, I'll praise him. He is the health of my countenance. He is my God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.